Local environment heroes Saving the trees and the bees And doing it daily Welcome to the Local Environment Heroes podcast A podcast that brings you a series of chats with some amazing local heroes From here in Canberra and from further afield Who are doing ace things for our world The podcast is produced and supported by the Canberra Environment Centre and your hosts are Fiona Verkinen, the Deputy Director of the CEC, and Julie Bolton, a sustainability strategist based in Canberra. Local environment hero. Fiona. Hey, Julie. Oh, my goodness, yet again. And I know I say this at the beginning of every episode, but what a treat we have in store for all of our amazing listeners today. Absolutely. Our beautiful guest, Ryan McGee. Oh, she is amazing. So I, I met Ryan a couple of weeks ago now. She was hosting an event at her school. So she's a primary school teacher at a local Canberra school and had invited me through another friend, a mutual friend, to say, hey, can you come along and give a talk about fashion? Because I'm hosting a clothes swap for adults, for parents at the school. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, okay, sure. No worries. I'll do it for the friend. Went along to this event where I met Ryan and I was totally blown away by one, how amazing she was, but how amazing the event was. And then also the fact that like through talking to her and the principal, how they were so focused on educating kids but also educating the parents so bringing the whole community in it's a total community holistic Mm. experience that they have going on at school so it's not just about those 40 minutes in the classroom no no because what she said and you'll hear this in the podcast that she she wants the kids to then take it home to the parents and the parents learn from the kids Mm. and you know the parents were all so I mean they were they were very happy parents anyway. I'm very happy on a Thursday night to be at this clothes swap where she served wonderful local Canberra wine. Um, and it was just, just like, I, it actually just felt like such a magical event. Like, I wanted to be at that school. I'm like, I, I'm just going to move my kids from their school and come and join your school because it was pretty cool. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, so I was totally pumped to have her on. So I said to Fiona, we've got to get this person on. And She's just blowing us away, the conversation we've had. I don't know. What were your key takeaways? Yeah, my, my key takeaway was really uh, knuckling down on hope as a, a doing word, hope combined with action. It's not just about hoping for the best in terms of the climate and our environmental future. It's hope. Yeah. it's <laughs> Hope's got to translate into action. I think I really love the fact that – because I think with kids – with anyone, like especially like we've both got kids and you do worry about the anxiety and the yep. um like it's scary when you have a lot of news talking about oh everything's so bad and dire and the world is on fire, which as we know it literally has been on fire. So I was interested to talk to her about how you what's the balance that you strike between that wanting to tell them about what's going on, but then also managing to deal with not not wanting to overburden them I guess and that's mm. where that hope mm, mm. yeah that hope really came in but also I love the fact that she she talks about well, you've got to have a little bit of discomfort like mm-hmm. you can't not have the discomfort you don't have too much discomfort but you have enough dif- discomfort but then you've got the power to then act on it yes to make change in your life before it's too yeah. late yeah and mm. I love at the end like you have to stay listening to the hero questions because I love it when she talks about one of her heroes and how she aspires to be like she wants to emulate his teaching methods mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. start with the wonder and the beauty yeah and gratitude and gratitude yeah. which is huge at the beginning yeah. of the podcast I may have shed a few tears because it's quite intense 
Um, but yeah, I do think that gratitude. <clears throat> then you you then say, okay, well then okay, there's a few problems. Okay, now what are we going to do about it? Mm. Like I think that's the, her teaching plan. Absolutely, Genius. and as you'll hear, the the students were coming up with all kinds of ideas. Oh, the awards that her students have won and the stuff that they have been doing and can continue to do. And she's very um, modest. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Like, this is a school everyone's going to want to go to. So, yeah, we, um, this, is, this is a winner. Yeah. This is a winner. Get what this a treat. one. Enjoy. <laughs> so, Ryan, our first big question for you, has there been a defining moment in your life where you've looked at the world and thought, you know what, something needs to change now? Um, this is a great question. I, for me, it wasn't a moment. I think it was a series of moments with, let me first start by saying that I came to this party very late. Um, I wasn't really a sustainable person. I never really thought much about sustainability until very recently. Um, for me about eight years ago, my mom passed away and while she was in the process of dying, I would look at her and think to myself, if she goes, like, I'll never have joy in my life again. Like, she's my best friend. She's my everything, my go-to. And, and then she did pass. And in dealing with that, I realized that I could pick, I could get angry and I could get really resentful that, you know, she was taken from this world so young. But for me, I really made a conscious choice to pick gratitude. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like, how lucky I am to have been in her presence for 36 years and to learn from her and just to be, you know, immersed in all her lessons in life. And so for me, like going through that, it brought me into a place of gratitude and seeing the world through different eyes. Mm -hmm. My cousin had sent me a gratitude journal. And so at the end of every day, I would sit and I would write in it and think really clearly about the things that were bringing me joy in my life to get me out of this grief. And that's when my eyes just opened to the world around me. I was living in LA, which is a big concrete jungle, but I found these beautiful walks and these hikes and I lived right by the ocean and I just started to look at the planet differently. And then when you do that, when you're just in awe of the beauty of the world, you want to care for it. Mm. And that's when I started to pay a little bit more attention. The moment I think where things really clicked for me, I, I moved to Australia and I started teaching at the school and I was just watching TV one night and I, I stumbled on the war on waste. Mm -hmm. And that was mind blowing to yeah. see that visual of what food waste looks like, the takeaway coffee cups. I looked at that and I thought, I'm, I'm a contributor here. Like this is something that I'm participating in. And how do I, how do I stop it? And so thinking about that, like what's my action going to be? Teaching is all I know. And, and I knew that this was something that I could bring into teaching. Absolutely. And it was such a tangible reflection on Australia's waste problem. It was. That series, The yes. War on Waste. On, I think it's still on ABC iView. Yeah, they're yeah. recording a new season at the moment. Mm. Are they? I'm so mm. looking forward to that yeah. because yeah. I've been showing clips of that. Like it's always my go-to with the kids. Mm. It's just mm. these strong visuals of what that actually looks like. You throw something away, it's away. It's out of sight, out of mind. But to follow through with the process and see what that really looks mm. like and how that accumulates and and that plastic is not breaking down. It's mm. it's not going anywhere. And to learn these things, it's like, I, I have the power to do something about it. I, mm. I don't have to just sit in my discomfort. I can action it. And I've got an army of soldiers that are just lovely and willing to fight the fight. So 
Let's so do tell it. Us, tell us about your army of soldiers. Who uh, are they? <laughs> this is my pride and joy. Like being in this position is pretty amazing. Can you describe the position? What, what is the position that you're in? It's grown over the years. And now what it's grown into is I get to teach each class a 40-minute sustainability lesson mm-hmm. every week. And that can look like so many different things. Going into this term, I'm so excited because we work with Oz Harvest mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing some cooking lessons. Yeah. They've, they've created this beautiful curriculum called Oz Feast with primary schools and it's cooking lessons and it's looking critically at how do we reduce food waste? How do we plan healthy meals for ourselves? How do we cook? I can't tell you how many kids have never fried an egg before that we start this, we have these beautiful food experiences together and we start thinking about how long is that banana good for? And Mm -hmm. you've got a bag of lettuce and some capsicum in your refrigerator that's about to go bad. What can you do with that? Just bring their awareness to the fact that you don't have to let those strawberries go moldy in the back of your fridge. Like mm-hmm. we can we can action this or we can start buying frozen blueberries. And, and the kids come up with ideas. And then at the end of these food lessons that we have, we have conversations about, okay, what would you do differently? Some of the kids are like, well, I wouldn't use blueberries. I'd use canned peaches or whatever it might be. But it's just like a great food experience. And I think it just translates so well into who they can be in their lives mm-hmm. and how they can think about that when they're off to the shops and being little consumers. It's, it's a pretty easy change that yeah. someone and super can pra- make. practical. Yeah. Well, I think it's yeah. brilliant. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think it's a third of our global food supply is wasted. I mean, wrap your brain around that. When I tell the kids the numbers about how many hungry people there are yeah. versus how much food is produced, they're just, they're always with the obvious responses. Like, how can that be? How can mm-hmm. we be making more food than there are people? Mm. Cut out the politics. Let's just talk common sense, mm-hmm. which is what I love about my kids. There's this great quote, and I think of it all the time. If you want to get adults to change or to make changes, Mm -hmm. then teach their kids how to do it. And that is just the crux of my job. Teach the kids, and then the kids are teaching the parents. How I Met You, you were running an event for the parents at your school. And I found that fascinating. That's what I went home and told Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Fiona and said, oh, my goodness, like I thought this was so clever how you brought the parents in and you're teaching the parents at the same time as you're teaching the kids. Mm. What was the thinking behind that? I think this is my fifth year teaching sustainability at the school. And it's just like bled into almost everything we do. And that really was amazing to have sustainability bring the the whole community together. Mm. I came up with it last year when the kids did a unit on fast fashion mm-hmm. and how disappointing that is. Mm-hmm. Disappointing is one word. For <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get Julie started. <laughs> and, and then there was just this um, need for our parents to come back to the social scene. We've, we've been shut down with COVID and people are hungry for that. We also have some great local winemakers <laughs> who um, are attached to the school. So we got to serve Lake George Winery wine. And and it just like all, all things came together just beautifully. And, and I love that the kids have engaged their parents in this. Mm. You know, I get a lot of different feedback from parents saying, oh, you know, I went to go throw a box in the, in the bin and so-and-so made me break it down. Or one of the moms said, my, my sons get in the car and I can't get anything out of them. But then if I say, what did you do in sustainability? Then they'll tell me all about manta rays or the Great Barrier Reef or whatever it is they're learning about. Like the kids are interesting. They're connecting with it. And I feel like this is the moment where we're bringing parents in as well. And it's just kind of showing up everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's embedded in our community now. 
And I think that's what you saw that night. And that, that I've been glowing ever since. Oh. I was so positive to have that experience. Yeah, I thought the night was amazing. Thank it you. It was fabulous. <laughs> like just a bunch of really interested, excited, mostly women, I'd have to say. Yeah. You need, need to get some men along for yeah. the clothes swapping. <laughs> I heard quite a few men say that. Yeah. yeah they were coming in and picking up their kids and they saw us setting up and they said, well, why not do a men's event? Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. But just, you know, the joy in the room, like the joy, there was just such joy in the room of people going around. And I loved how they could pick out an item of clothing and, and they could name the person in the room <laughs> who it came from. They're like, hey, that's your top. <laughs> That's awesome. It was awesome. There was um, a few parents that were doing that, like trying to select things. And one of them came to me after and she said, I can't tell you how many times I picked something that somebody brought themselves. (laughs) They're like, yes, that looks like me because I brought that. (laughs) But it was just good. I think community is such a big part of sustainability. Like I, I love my buy nothing group. Mm -hmm. And that's brought me so linked in with my, my suburb that I live in. I just see such opportunity to connect with people when you are coming from a place of sustainability. Mm. So, so I think that's what sustainability is. Mm. Like it's, it's about community. It's about the people around you. And then as you said at the beginning, what got you into this, it's about looking at the world with a sense of wonder and a sense of gratitude. If you have that, then I think taking these sustainability actions it just becomes a why not? Why wouldn't you do it? Because the world is so precious and the people in the world are so precious and so we need to look after each other. Is that how you would see sustainability? That's how I teach it. I first want to show the kids, look at the beauty of this. You know, we just did this big unit on the Great Barrier Reef and it's like, God, look at these different species that exist and the colour and just the magnificence and the abilities of these different sea creatures. So we fall in love with it. And then we talk, we do talk about the problems. And in that, I have to be very mindful. I don't want to impose climate anxiety on any Mm -hmm. of my kids. You know, it can be really disheartening to hear, to see a a hungry polar bear, to see or hear some of the problems that we're having in the world. But then, you know, there's that hope and there's the, the solutions already out there. And they're coming up with the solutions. I have to say, like, we did this um, study on Rain Island. It's this island out in the Great Barrier Reef, and the sea turtles will go out there, and they'll lay their eggs. There was a big problem where the sea level was covering up the eggs, and so only 20% were hatching. And so I asked the kids, what would you do? And a couple of the kids, year four, year five, and year six, said we would raise the sea level. We would raise the sand so that the water couldn't cover the eggs anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. Mm. That's exactly what these experienced marine biologists, that's what they did. Yeah. And so I just think, you guys, you can do this. Yeah, yeah. You can fix these problems. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you, yeah. Is climate anxiety a, a thing? Are you finding that with the kids? I and don't. just general environmental anxiety? or I've heard it discussed and I... It's, it's an interesting space. I feel like I've been really lucky in that I haven't had a lot of students come forward and it doesn't seem to be a real thick thing in my presence. It's an interesting thing. Like, I'm thinking about my daughter the other night. She came to me and she's, she's crying randomly. She was waiting for, for me to come out of the bathroom and she's standing there and she's crying. She's 10 years old. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I was just watching Scout. That's our dog. And I just realized that not all animals have a warm bed to sleep in at night. And I I just can't turn my brain off and stop thinking about animals being mistreated, right? So that's anxiety. And 
I don't, I don't necessarily want to turn off. My first instinct would be like, honey, you go play on your Roblox. And you know, you Mm -hmm. don't think Mm -hmm. about that. But I think that we have to have a little bit of discomfort if we're going to make some changes. You don't want to watch your daughter suffer and cry and feel anxious. But at the same point, it's like, well, how are we going to drive action with this? And fostering empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how are we going to nurture this so that you can do something about this, you know? So I, Mm. and fostering that narrative of hope. Yes. But I think I also want action Mm. without action. Like hope is just hope. I Mm. feel like Mm. you have to have that, that push behind it, that drive. So I don't want to say I'm very conscious of students feeling that climate anxiety, but I do want an awareness. Mm-hmm. I do want them to know that there is a bit of suffering out there, but then have that hope and, and know what they can do and feel empowered by that yeah, to make empow- those yeah. changes because yeah. the empowerment is everything. Yeah. Yeah. We were really keen to hear more about what climate or environment actions that the students are particularly keen to be involved in and what seems to really get them excited and participating in your programs or projects. So so many things going on. I get really excited when I think about my change makers. Mm -hmm. This is a group of students who elect to meet fortnightly. Mm -hmm. There's about 12 of them and they come up with their own initiatives. So a lot of times it can be changes throughout the school Other times it can be changes in the community. Right now there's a small group within the change makers and they're working to make less waste in the canteen. So we're looking at our icy pole wrappers, which Mm -hmm. are all over the school at the moment. You know, they just, if, even if they make it into the bin, they fly out of the bin. And so they're trying to find a different sweet treat that's still affordable, that the kids can enjoy, that doesn't produce any waste. Mm -hmm. Wow. Last year, a group came up with, they wanted to purchase from TerraCycle a face mask recycling box. Okay. You know, there was a lot of face mask waste everywhere. I mean, there still is, right? You can't go for a walk without seeing a face mask on the ground. To get that, it was a $300 purchase, I think, maybe a little bit less from TerraCycle. They bring the box to your school or you order the box and then the kids fill it up and then we can send it into TerraCycle and TerraCycle will recycle it and make it Mm -hmm. into a park bench or Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. exciting thing. And so this group came up with it, and then to get it funded, they had to put a presentation together and present that in front of the PNF. Wow. I loved it. Like, I just thought, God, life skills. You yeah, know, totally. To, to come up with a presentation, to prepare it for your audience, and to present it, and, and then engage with questions about what they were going to do after that. And it's just little changes within our school community, but I think that it gives the kids those skills. Mm that they can carry through their life. And it gives them the, the perception, the eyes to know, I can I can fix this. There's a problem. I can change it. How, how old are these kids? Like they're from all That particular group was in year four. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So most of my change makers are year four to uh, six. And do you find, like, is every kid excited to get in, involved? Or are there some kids that are a bit reticent and not so excited? How do you deal with kids that might not be so – or you don't have that issue? <laughs> I'd love to say I don't. I, I would love to say I don't, but I do – I feel like – because I teach other subjects as well, but like, I feel like the engagement level with sustainability is better than anything else I teach. And I do think that with sustainability, it's a different opportunity for success – So you have kids that aren't maybe academically there. You have kids that aren't athletically great, but Mm. in sustainability, they just kill it. 
Yeah. You know, and I just think it's a new opportunity for success for them. I can't even tell you how many kids are just drawn to the program and we've got chickens at the school. So I've got a roster and it's so hard to allocate enough jobs because there's so many kids that want to participate in the looking after the chickens and looking after the garden and, you know, watering jobs and those kinds of things. I cannot offer enough jobs without kids feeling like they didn't get enough jobs. Like they're just so excited about it. And it's something that they, they love getting their hands dirty. They love, you know, we've got, we, collect the the lids and donate them to lids for kids but that is a big process you gotta clean them and sort them and make sure they're all clean and get the little useless foam out of the not awful what is that for (laughs) i don't know because there's some milk cartons that don't use them so it's like well why is that milk yeah yeah but just the whole bring the milkman back yeah yeah just bring it back or milk lady, in that matter. <laughs> yeah. There's so many opportunities they're excited. And like, I, it blows my mind when I say, okay, we're going to do a lid sorting session during lunch. How many kids show up for that? Mm-hmm. And they're excited by it. You know what they say about the little foam inserts in the lids? They find it satisfying to take them out. <laughs> you know, that kids, moment when you just... Yeah, yeah they get it out. So. <laughs> and, and they're just into so many different facets of it. Like, I feel like I can't keep up with them. So do they br- they bring things to you? Yeah, they do bring things to me. I'll, and I'll tell you about my favorite, I think my favorite project that we've done yet. And I think we're going to kick off something that's related to this pretty soon. A couple of years ago, we participated in the Parliament of Youth, which is just this awesome program. They haven't run mm-hmm. it the last two years, but they ran it in 2021. Any kids from any school can come up with an initiative and then they present it in front of ACT government. And my group, it was six year sixes, and they came up with the idea to come up with a rating for cafes, a sustainability mm-hmm. rating. Yeah. They came up with a set of criteria, and it was like, are their ingredients local? Um, are they organic? Um, what's their waste like? How do they address food waste, energy conservation, water conservation? So they came up with the criteria, and then they would sit and interview these restaurants and these cafes. And it was awesome. Again, community, right? Yeah. Engaging with um, like Daniel from the Knox, Ingrid from Two from Ten, all these mm-hmm. cafes. This was at a time too where COVID was happening and it was just new. So it was probably the hardest time I think yeah. for these cafes, but they still were happy to lend their time, happy to sit with the kids and talk about all these different initiatives that they were doing. And that was just amazing. So they ended up winning the Parliament of Youth Award, the Ready wow. for a- the Ready for Action yeah. Award, and we were able to give so much time to it, especially it being COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then last year, I was just blown away because they won the the Young Cambrian Citizens of the Year Award really? through all this to see that recognition for all the work they put in because they put mm-hmm. in so much time into that. And we learned so much on that journey too. And you you facilitated that to make that happen, (laughs) Ryan. You know, I just kind of sat and hung out and watched them do their thing. It was was cool. It was just really cool to watch them on that journey. And then for them to have that in their pocket. Yes. And a sense of ownership. Yeah. And... A and really rewards. tangible outcome. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely some you? bragging rights for that. And so what, what's happened with the initiative now? Like, do you know, is the ACT <sighs> government going to adopt it? <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? Oh, yes. Um, 
And it was so good because then after the cafe owners would look to the kids and they'd say, hey, if you can give us any advice, if you could tell us, Mm. you know, what we could do better. It was just so empowering for these kids. Totally. But moving forward with it, because it was so time consuming and I felt like we only were able to achieve it because we were actually not at school. We were all Mm. locked down. I abandoned it last year with just like, a, oh my God, what am I going to do with this? Um, we'll be working with another school, a local high, girls high school, and we'll take the that set of 10 criteria and then the kids, and my change makers will be the ones who facilitate this, will create an Instagram account or a social media account. And what they'll do is when they go about their lives and they go into the cafes or any local businesses and they observe some great sustainability initiatives they can take a picture do a little plug for that cafe and mm. say like you know um i met you and co and kayleen like these paper straws are great they don't break down while i'm drinking my smoothie it, it can be anything right mm-hmm. or look at all this beautiful indoor lighting at the front in o'connor just um anything that promotes sustainability and then we can put it on our page so i think the power in that is these kids are going to be going places and they're going to be looking for exactly. the sustainability yeah, yeah. and opening their eyes to it. Yeah. And I think it's great for the community to say like, oh, yeah, let's go try that place out. You know, we'd love to not eat avocado when they're out of season, <laughs> as we've heard. <laughs> because through that experience, it was just I, I could not believe their willingness to engage with the yeah. kids and to share with impart their knowledge. Yeah. I learned so much. Yeah. And also for some of the cafes that haven't started to go on this journey yet, like I think this is this could be really important information for them because a lot of them, not a lot, but I know some people and businesses will sit there and go, it's too hard. We don't know where to start. There's too many things all at once. And so often, like in my day job, we'll say, well, we start with one thing, start with one thing and then move on to the next thing and move on to the next thing. And so having the kids come in with a guide saying, well, you know, great, you're doing really well on having the glasses and the jug of water. Yes. That's a tick. How about the next couple of things that you could tackle? And you could leave them with a list and they could sit there and go, yeah, we can make our way through this list. Yeah. That would be amazing. I think so too. And we just learned so much from all these owners. And I think that the kids in these experiences, they could learn so much as well. Yeah. Did you have this as part of your education growing up? Did you have a teacher that you can remember who talked to you about sustainability? And if not, how different do you think your life might have been or do you think you would have got interested in sustainability a little bit earlier? I never had any sustainability lessons growing up. I think there's quite a contrast as well, you know, being educated in America as opposed to Australia. Mm -hmm. I think that that's not at the forefront as it is here. I think that if I had been introduced to it, I don't know. I I, I don't know how to answer that question. I don't Mm. know. I feel like you, I, I often actually get a bit annoyed at myself and angry when I think about my 20-year-old self oh, yeah. compared to my 45-year-old self. I think if I'd known when I was 20 what I know now, maybe I would have been different. But then how do you, like, would you have been or is it because the world now knows so much more than the world knew when the world was 20 years ago? Should you be angry at yourself or should you just accept the fact that this is where you are at this time and this is now the journey you're going on going forward? Yeah, I am the same. I look back on my youth and I think I even had the kids calculate how many straws I used in my childhood because (laughs) I had a plastic straw with every lunchbox Mm -hmm. from the time I was five to 18, probably. (laughs) So I, I do look back and I do feel a bit of regret, but then I also, I just didn't know. And I think that 
you know, now we're at a place where at a turning point and you got to know and you got to and you got to be active. And I look at these kids and they know so much. I had no idea. And they see the world as a much bigger place than I ever did. And they're willing to think about the changes that they can make for themselves. And I, I think it's such a big difference. They are hopeful and they're smart and they just have this ability to think of action. And so I think it's just a very different time. Yeah. And yeah. it has to be. It yeah. just has yeah. to be. We're at, we're at that turning point now where we have to we have to make changes. So our five hero questions, Ryan. Congratulations, you have just been elected the president of the world. What is the one change you try to implement first? Okay. Well, thank you for <laughs> electing me as president of the world. Um, I would be just so keen to put a series of laws in place to promote a circular economy. I just think that that is the be all and the end all. I think if businesses oversee their products from birth to death and have that responsibility and that accountability for them, and that means what resources are you taking from the earth? What kind of ingredients are you using? How are you packaging your product? What kind of miles are you putting on that product? And then ultimately, how is it disposed of? Can we mend it? Is it affordable to mend it? I think that if we put things in place for that and kind of take the accountability a little bit off of the consumer mm. and put that ownership back to them, I think we'd see some big changes in the things that are produced. Mm. So that would be my first role as president. Love it. And then I'm going to mandate that sustainability is taught in all schools all over the world. Yeah. Do you do you have friendships with other sustainability teachers around Canberra? I'm really lucky. So through the Sustainable Schools Network, we're able to form a little coalition. It's really much more common in the public schools than it is the Catholic schools. I think we have a really big opportunity there with the Catholic schools to attack that. But it's great. I mean, I cannot tell you when I am in the presence of other teachers that are doing these programs, like how much I learn in a minute, you know, or if I go visit their school, the things that I soak up, like they're just, there are some absolutely outstanding sustainability teachers in Canberra. Yeah. Amazing. It's 2030. Describe the world that you see around you. Minimalistic. It's a world where we only take what we need. It's a world where people are connected. People are looking up. I get really disappointed when you see everybody looking down into their phones. Yeah. And I think that's a really big part of our problem right now. I think that we're just drowning out the pain maybe of realizing that the earth is crying a little bit with the noise of our phones. And I think that if we look up and we see this big, amazing world around us and we'll love it a little bit more, care for it a little bit more, respond to it a little bit more. Yeah. I'd also like to see the milkman brought back yeah. <laughs> or milk lady. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see people just being really mindful consumers yeah. and thinking so critically about what they need to buy. And I emphasize need and how it's made, how it's packaged, how it's brought to your doorstep, like all those things, just being so aware. In fact, I think if I, if the students take anything away I think it's about mindful consumerism. Yeah. You know, you can learn about the Great Barrier Reef and you can learn to love it, but maybe you'll start thinking now about the type of seafood that you're purchasing. Maybe you'll go for that, you know, that pole caught tuna as opposed to the, you know, 
big old net dragging at the bottom of the ocean. Those kinds of things, mm-hmm. like how you can make really informed choices about the things that you buy. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Who are your environmental heroes? I have so many. <laughs> I, ha- I like. I have to start with David Attenborough because the model of how he delivers his information is kind of how I hope to teach. It's like, look at this world. Look how amazing these things are. Look, I love this world. The kids and I were watching footage of him from 60 years ago Uh, uh, in the Great Barrier Reef. Like, he's been doing this forever. I know, I know. Bringing that awareness, that love, that passion. Like, if I could model my teaching after the way that he does a documentary or a show, like, I, you know, it's just, here's this, love this. There's a little bit of a problem here. Here's how we're going to fix it. (laughs) And he gives you that hope and gives you the the action, the empowerment Mm. as well. I'm a huge Sarah Wilson fan. Um, I found her through the I Quit Sugar cookbooks. Yeah. I started getting those and then she... Um, it She's was a, from Canberra. I, yes, I know this now. <laughs> it, it was the first time that I had seen sustainability brought into a cookbook. So I fo- started following her on Instagram and then she wrote this book, This One Wild and Precious Life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like just really spoke to my soul and just really kind of reinforced things that I'd already been discovering like through hiking and yeah. yeah you know love of nature and do you get her newsletters she has good newsletters people if I didn't know she did newsletters <laughs> yeah, letters. This, um this one impossible life we'll put the link we'll, we'll put a link up yeah, yeah you can sign up to her, her newsletters. podcasts are excellent it's my yeah. second favorite podcast yes. <laughs> <laughs> good clarification there. yes and then I also like if people don't know about this, I just think it's fabulous. Sam Bentley on Instagram, following Hi. him. Oh, he's just great. Like, just this really positive guy. I think he's in the UK, and he just does good news across the world in sustainability. Mm-hmm. I had a kid. Back to the climate anxiety question you asked me. Uh, one of the kids in my class. I think this is the heaviest thing actually that's ever been said. He said, "Mrs. McGee, I love sustainability, but sometimes you say things that make me really sad." Mm. And I said okay, buddy, like, I know what we're going to do. We're going to start every class with some good news. So I put Sam Bentley videos up and it's just like a small, you know, 30 second tidbit about making shoes, making biodegradable shoes for kids in third world countries, or um, they were making electronic dolphins, like all these different, completely different incentives, but that just yeah. make the world a little bit of a better place. Yeah. Yeah. And put, so you, you're just aware that there's great things happening. So I do love Sam Bentley. Cool. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> What's your one hot tip for being more environmentally friendly or aware? Okay, so my hot tip is across your day, you're going to make about a thousand choices. Mm. And if you could, in every single choice that you make, if you could think to pick earth over convenience, I think that that's going to make you a sustainable person. And you're not going to win every battle, you know, but I... I'm talking about from the moment you brush your teeth, what kind of toothbrush are you using? How short or long are your showers? Are you going to eat those bananas before they go off? Are you going to make some banana bread? Are you drinking local wine? (laughs) (laughs) Like all the, like, I just think that across the day, how are you getting to work? Everything you do can help or hurt the earth. Every single choice you make. And I just hope you pick earth every time. Yeah. Finally, what is your final slogan, quote, or mantra, or a key message that you would like to leave our listeners with today? 
the quote that is constantly my mantra and runs through my mind is when you know better, you do better by, I think it was Maya Angelou told that to Oprah. And so Oprah uses that one a lot. And I love that quote because I think that when you do know better, you do better. When you know how to dispose of something properly, you're going to put it in the right bin. When you know that it takes 40 gallons maybe of water to wash your sweatshirt, you're going to wear it a few more times before Mm -hmm. you throw it in the laundry. Mm -hmm. But what I love about it also is I think it does put a little bit of ownership back on us where it's like almost like if you know better, do better. And maybe you need to learn a little bit. I just, I think we're at this place now where we need to kind of move past the message of go gentle, you know, do one thing and move into get a little uncomfortable. But you, you can't always pick what's more convenient. You have to be, you're going to have to be inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. Will be inconvenience one way or another. You are. You're you're just going to have to, you're going to have to deal with that. Because I'll tell you what, it's the inconveniences on this side of it are going to be a lot easier to manage than the ones on the other side of it. So do what you can now and learn, be proactive. If you're not sure where to dispose of something, look up the recyclopedia Mm -hmm. if you're in the ACT and and that's going to tell you where to put it or Ask somebody who knows a little bit more about you on the subject. I know when I met Julie and she said she was a fashion expert, I'm like, how about those plastic shoes? Or not the plastic shoes. What is it? Vegan shoes. Yeah, oh. vegan leather. Yeah, vegan, vegan leather. leather. Yeah. What do, is that something I should do? Like, you're the expert on that. So I just think that you need to look to people who might have an answer. And I think you need to get a little uncomfortable. And I think you need to do what's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute treat. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Fiona. I love what you guys are doing. This is fabulous. This is just so great. Local environment heroes Saving the trees and the bees And doing it daily Local Environment Heroes is recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples, the traditional custodians of the Canberra area. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And we recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and communities. Subscribe to the Local Environment Heroes podcast wherever you find your podcast and sign up to CEC emails via the CEC website, canberraenvironment.org. Thanks for listening.